Hi, good people, and welcome to Black Women in Wellness, a podcast amplifying the voices of Black women, promoting wellness in their communities. I'm your host and the creator of this series, Rachel Heath. And today I'm going to be sharing an interview with Sasha Nicole. For women who feel stuck and stagnant in life, Sasha Nicole teaches how to feel more confident and courageous through various courses, motivational videos, coaching, and keynote speeches. As a mental health advocate in the wellness industry for over 10 years, who not only survived severe postpartum depression and thrives with a mental health condition, it is her mission to assist others in living a healed and whole life while honing in on what truly makes you happy. Her organization is called Fearless Influence, and we get into a pretty deep conversation about mental health and also postpartum depression. So I will give a content warning before we get into the interview that we do discuss postpartum depression and thoughts of harm. So if that is something that is a tender place for you, please feel free to skip this episode and maybe listen to some of our other reproductive health episodes, which I have linked in the show notes. We've actually touched on the topic of reproductive health quite a few times on this series with Dr. Alicia Bonaparte, and who is a um, medical sociologist and reproductive health advocate, and also two uh, doulas, a birth doula, Shauna Morant, and a birth and bereavement doula, Tisha Whittingham. Um, So again, I have links to those episodes in the chat. I've also linked some resources because talking about mental health and just making sure that we're okay, it's nice to have some options. So there is a link there um, for the Black Doulas directory where you can find birth doulas, bereavement doulas, but you can also find postpartum doulas. So again, if that's something that you are finding a need for support for and you want some other resources, that's in the show notes. Um, So once again, I will give a content warning that we will be talking about postpartum depression and mental health um, issues and also harm. Um, So it's a great episode and I hope you do uh, get a chance to listen to it. I am going to stop rambling. Here's my conversation with Sasha Nicole. So I am here with Sasha Nicole. I am so excited to be interviewing you today and to give you a chance to share your story with my audience. And I've already given them a taste of who you are with your bio, but I was wondering if you could start us off by just telling us what you do in the world of wellness. Yes, thank you, first of all, for having me. I'm really uh, happy to be here and speaking with you. Uh, So as you mentioned, I'm Sasha Nicole, and my mission is truly just to help people live authentic, be well, be happy, um, reach for the journey of wellness and what that looks like for them uh, and motivate them in doing that. And that is something that I'm very passionate about and something that I'm working towards and continuing and doing and what I contribute to the wellness community, as well as being a mental health advocate uh, for postpartum depression, as well as just for mental uh, wellness and illness as a whole. 
Excellent. That is something that is definitely always needed, especially in our community. And I know right now with the pandemic and everything, folks are even more in need of resources for mental health support. Um, but right. before we get into what you're doing now, I'm wondering what was your upbringing like? And if there was anything in, in your childhood or in your family that kind of led you to this path of wellness? No, actually. So how I grew up, wellness was not something that was talked about. It was not something that was supported. It was not something that was even initiated. Um, in fact, it was very much like a taboo um, in, in even expressing that you were having any type of mental distress was seen as something negative and something where, you know, you needed to pull yourself up by the bootstrap that you wasn't the only person in the world. You needed to get over it. Um, these were the type of things that I grew up with. So me entering into this field and being so passionate about it, I'm definitely the anomaly. I'm definitely the black sheep of the family when it comes to this type of thing. Uh, it is, I won't say that now that it's just completely unsupported. Um, I think that there's a little bit more understanding um, for my family dynamic, but uh, there still is kind of that taboo of this is, you know, why, or, you know, is this something that you really need to speak about or that you really need to be passionate about? So I did not grow up with the basis of even understanding mental health at all in any capacity. It was definitely something that I learned through my own experiences of having mental health problems. You know, that's something I can definitely relate to. And I think a lot of people in our audience can relate to. I think that our community is just now starting to, and it's this younger generation that's talking about their mental health and, and talking about therapy. And, and it's just a beautiful thing to see. So I know exactly where you're coming from. And it's, it's almost like entering these fields as a, as a response to what we did not have in our upbringing. And I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about your journey to get to um, this space that you're in now as a mental health advocate, what kind of study you've done, any mentors you've had over the course of time, and any tools that kind of helped you get to where you are? Right. So for me, my journey started when I had my daughter. I had really severe postpartum depression. I had thoughts of harming her. Uh, and in, in the midst of that, I didn't understand what was actually taking place, what was going on. Uh, I didn't really know um, or have anyone to talk to during that time, especially anyone who looked like me. Going through that experience prompted me to start my nonprofit, Part of Evolution, and that was really the beginning of my journey in terms of mental health, in terms of mental wellness. Uh, and from there, in doing that, talking to other women, helping them through their own postpartum issues, it also allowed me to be more authentic and just transparent about my other, my, my own story from a variety of things, whether that's domestic violence, whether that's me dealing with depression, whether that was me dealing with anxiety, it just allowed me to really share and talk about just my overall experience as a woman, as a person. And then through sharing my experience, it really helped others share their own experience. Uh, so as far as like different trainings that I've done, I've definitely done some prenatal uh, certification trainings in terms of dealing with the postpartum depression. And then I had, had started a podcast many years ago in terms of talking about Black mental health, and we paired up with the psychiatrist uh, as well in terms of offering actual clinical advice for the podcast that we were doing. And that was pretty much my road and my path. And ever since then, I've just continued on that path of advocacy in terms of really trying to destigmatize this in the Black community, as well as just allowing space to be safe and allowing space to just share the experience. 
Excellent. Yeah. And you, you mentioned that you have a nonprofit and I'd love for you to go into some of the details of what it was like to start that, maybe who your collaborators were and, and where you are on that journey right now. Yeah, absolutely. So part of evolution, as I mentioned, it began after that experience with my daughter, when I didn't have anyone who looked like me, any women of color who were willing to honestly, at that time, share any type of experience with postpartum, let alone sharing that they wanted to harm their child. That definitely uh, is not something that a lot of people talk about and having those type of thoughts or overcoming uh, that type of experience. Uh, and so it, it prompted me to start that. From there, it really was just a, a solo journey in terms of figuring out how to even do it. I had no idea how to build a nonprofit. I had no idea what that looked like from a business perspective. I did a lot of research in terms of how to start a nonprofit what that looked like, what programming did I want to do? And, and to this day, I'm actually still honing in and working on a lot of those details because there's so, there's so much to running an organization. And so last year, I actually just got my 501c3. So I went through that process where I actually teamed up with the organization, uh, I believe it's off the top of my head called Nonprofit Elite, and they're based out of Texas. And they helped me get my actual 501c3. Um, I put for, for me in terms of building my board, I reached out to some of my closest friends and asked if they would be part of my board so that I could, because in order to get your official 501c3, you have to build a board. So built a board, built articles of incorporation, um, what a lot of our bylaws and different things would look like. And these were the first steps that I did in building the, the actual nonprofit. And then from there, having the regular meetings, and then now just building out the true program fundamentals that I want to do to provide more assistance in communities. Um, hopefully, you know, right now I'm in the D.C., Maryland area, but my goal is to definitely aim to be in a few other areas as well to really become a, an elite nonprofit around the country that really helps women of color dealing with postpartum. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely needed. We, uh, I think it was the first season, I had quite a few reproductive health folks come through. And, you know, the echoes are that while reproductive health is not something that anyone is really getting the support they need for Black women, our mortality rates are so much higher. The the lack of value that is placed on a Black woman's life when she is in need of medical care in general is just hard to talk about. And so yeah. I'm wondering, you know, what was your experience as a Black woman trying to fill this void that you saw and, and provide services that are very much needed? I want to say within my own community of women, um, it definitely was received as something that was needed, but it definitely took some time for people to be open to talking about. Uh, in terms of just overall, the reception a lot of times there are a lot of organizations that really specialize in helping white people uh, in reference to their experiences with postpartum, but not necessarily helping, you know, women of color in their experiences. And so it wasn't as well received in terms of seeing more organizations embrace someone who's saying, hey, I'm here to help the minority population because we need more resources. We need more people to listen to us. We need, you know, we need to stop the disparities that exist within our community when we go to the hospital and so on and so on. And so that was something that um, it, it will definitely has taken time to just build and to even be received from the prevalent organizations to adopt uh, the minority organizations who are coming through and trying to really provide those services. 
Yeah, that that's a very familiar <laughs> story, I think, for so many of us that are trying to do this work. But, you know, the other side of the coin is that you're serving people. Right. And right. so, you know, how do you draw people who are going through the process of pregnancy, who have been through the process of pregnancy and need your services, how do you draw them to you so that they can get the support that they need? Because as you said, these conversations are very taboo, especially when it comes to postpartum depression. How do you get those people to come to you? It, things like this, like appearing on podcasts like such as yourself and talking to someone like you who is also an advocate in the community and does the work that you do, just sharing the story uh, over and over again and putting your name out there in the programming. As I continue to build out more programming, you know, you hope that that programming will stick in the community, you team up with schools, you team up with other organizations, and you, you really hope for the best in terms of growth. And through that growth, you start to receive more and more feedback or more people who are willing to share their story. Uh, unfortunately, because the way that motherhood is seen and someone being transparent about not having a good experience with motherhood, it is hard to get a lot of people to say, hey, that's me, or hey, I'm willing to, to put my face out there and say that. Uh, so it's not that easy, but I think that with the right programming, with the right uh, partnerships, I think that is definitely something uh, that can happen more and that will, will provide an even greater resource. And then just also through my, my other branding of, of just continuing to share my story, continuing to, to share motivational videos and courses and, and, and things that I'm doing that will hopefully draw people to just be honest about what their experience has been and not be afraid uh, to say, hey, as a mom, like I'm, I'm going through this too, or I went through that as well, or, you know, um, what should I do to prepare those type of things? Great. Yeah. And, and so that's how we get them in the room. I'm wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit more about some of the programming that you offer around postpartum depression and mental wellness for people who have had children. Um, and maybe even if you have like some starter tips, right, for someone who is either about to give birth or who has given birth and may think that they're starting to experience some postpartum symptoms. Right, so some of the programs that we're working on, so there, so we're working on different programs where one is catered to a younger audience, so the young mom who's out there who may have had a child already but doesn't, especially doesn't have any idea in terms of resources, in terms of motherhood in general, maybe is still in school. So partnering up with schools who have the mother programs where they can go to school while their child uh, is in a daycare facility at the same location. And so what that would look like is offering a variety of parenting courses, offering other courses in terms of teaching them, you know, what it means uh, from an emotional wellness standpoint in terms of transitioning their energy. A lot of times that you have children out here who are having children who come from abusive backgrounds, who come from a variety of backgrounds, who then um, embody what has kind of been embedded in them into their own children. So we're really trying to reframe those type of uh, thoughts in terms of just teaching a variety of ways of how to better embrace your child, how to, you know, just from a parenting aspect, what are some things that you could do differently, that you could do better, what are things that you could offer your child, what are things that you could do for yourself. Uh, and then we're offering services where 
from a, you've heard of a postpartum, uh, well, a doula, but there's also postpartum doulas where we're offering services where someone can come in and sit with you uh, after childbirth to help you with anything that you may need around the house to help you with just, if you just need any type of emotional support. So these are just like a few of the programs that we're working on in terms of providing in the community, as well as partnering up with different hospitals uh, to share the documentary that I'm also working on where I went around the country filming a variety of women's story and their experience with postpartum. So providing that information to schools and organizations with that. Uh, some tips I would say, uh, one is to have a plan. Like if you already are dealing with any type of clinical depression or anxiety or anything of that nature, I think that it would be very smart to think about what it would look like after birth, uh, especially if one, you were on medication and you had to stop your medication. That's a big thing. And if you intend to breastfeed, and so that means that you may not still get on the medication after the child you know, things of that nature, really developing a plan of what, what that looks like for where your mental health is currently and what currently exists. The other thing would be look out for signs and symptoms such as irritability, um, how aggressive you may feel, how long you may have crying spells. Like it's normal that after these hormonal changes to feel sad or to, you know, cry. But if you are continuously feeling sad or you're crying and you really don't understand why and it's happening on a consistent basis, these are things to look out for to say, hey, this may be an ongoing issue. This may not just be baby blues, but this may be an onset of postpartum depression. So the timing uh, is very important with your symptoms uh, and how long it, you know, how long it lasts. Uh, so, and then have your, your postpartum plan of what are you, is going to be your support in terms of, do you have any support around you? If you don't have support around you, are there any organizations or are there any type of uh, schools or daycares or anything like that who offer any type of services where you can get some sort of assistance when you just need a break because moms do need a break, especially after childbirth. So those are just a few tips that I would look at in terms of, again, getting the resources that you need, making sure that you have the support that you need and developing the plan in terms of what it's going to look like pre and post childbirth. Yeah, thanks so much for that. I just I just got an education. I'll admit I am not a mom, so I have not mm -hmm. gone through that experience, but I do um, deal with anxiety myself. And I never thought about, you know, what if I had to go off of my medication to, to care for my child? What do you right. do? And so I think, you know, those are not conversations that are had around pregnancy and right. we have to kind of step in and be advocates for ourselves when we're going to, you know, talk to our doctor or talk to whoever is kind of leading us through bringing our child into the world to say, hey, this is a flag for me. How can you offer support or go to an organization right. like yours to do that? So thank you for educating me today. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Now I'm going to put a pin in that documentary you mentioned, because I definitely <laughs> want to get back to that. Okay. Um, but I'm also curious about how you would kind of bring someone in who wants to work with you as opposed to someone who is looking for your services. Oh man, I would love to, anyone who wants to do the work, who wants to help people, I mean, all it takes is just a simple conversation, a simple email, and I am completely open to having that conversation and just working with anyone, 
even if we're doing different things, you know, mental health may not be, you know, your thing. Maybe you're just really focused on just a wellness experience or you provide products that provide wellness experience, or maybe you're not into postpartum depression, but you do have an anxiety, but you have an organization that's just geared towards anxiety or suicide or anorexia, whatever that may be. Um, there are still ways that we can formulate partnerships and work together for the wellness of people overall. Uh, and especially if your interest is minority community, that definitely is helpful. But I definitely have to be clear in saying, unfortunately, you know, while we still have to, we have to partner with each other in our communities, uh, but we definitely need the support from the bigger organizations too, in order to get the word and the name and the resources and the funding that we need as well. And um, so that's just the reality, but I'm definitely one of, I'm, I'm open to working with anybody. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that in the room because, you know, there are people that are fired up to do this work, but it doesn't happen in a vacuum. There are lots of other aspects of working, especially when we're talking about mental health that have to be addressed. We want to make sure that we have professionals in the room when we're dealing, especially with medications and people who are dealing with mental health symptoms. So it's, it's something that you have to enter into understanding that there is a wide landscape to be navigated, right? Yes. So I want to come back to transition landscape, traveling the country and interviewing folks. Tell me about this documentary. It sounds fascinating. So a few years ago, I literally, I woke up and I was like, I'm going to do a documentary. I don't know where it came from. You know, I, the, the religious people might say it was God. And I, I tend to think that maybe, you know, it definitely was God who gave me the idea. And um, I hired a videography team. I did a survey. I did, uh, I reached out. I did posts and asked if there was anyone willing to share their story. Uh, I got a few volunteers and I set up interviews. I went to North Carolina, I went to Atlanta, I went to Virginia, I went to Maryland and and variety of other places where uh, I filmed these women and and asked them to share their story, what it was like, asked them different questions, kind of like how we're, you know, having a conversation here. And I captured everything on camera. And now I'm in the process of really um, reviewing all of the footage. It's just um, one thing for anyone who's interested in the filming industry or just media in general, or has a documentary idea, it's a lot, a lot of work. And, and I don't think that oftentimes when we have this passion for something, we realize the, the magnitude of work that it requires. And so I had this idea without understanding what it really was going to take of me. And I didn't, at the time, I just haven't had the capacity to put everything that I needed to put into it and still survive in terms of, you know, having to work, having to do other things. Um, and, and I didn't realize that. And so it's taken some time to go through the footage. I'm still going through footage because I have thousands of hours of footage. Um, and you have to put those in, in order of how you visualize what this is going to look like and what this is going to be. And so, you know, I, I, I don't say this to discourage anyone. I say this to give them the information and the tools to understand that if these are things that you have a vision about, that just be prepared to really go into the trenches and really, and be prepared to, to be certain with the vision that you have and keep that at the forefront of your mind and put it together as you're, if you're ever building anything like this. And so that has been something that I've had to remind myself to do because I thought that I could do this documentary in a year, in a few months. I didn't realize how long it would actually take and what it would require of me. So I'm having to do that now. So it, it, it and I'm, 
hoping that within the next year that it will be finalized. Excellent. Yeah, I uh, had the chance to work on a climate change documentary and I was just uh, doing a small piece, but it took quite some time to go through all of the footage. I think that's the biggest thing to really find the vision, the thread of that vision that you have in mind. Um, But when do you have like a tentative title for the documentary, something that we can be on the lookout for when it does come out? Yeah, so I'm, I'm in my heart, in my spirit, I want to call it You Belong. And I say you belong because I want mothers and, and women to know that they belong, that they belong exactly where they are um, with exactly, you know, what they have in terms of, you know, them being a mom and how they're feeling that you, you belong, no matter what you may be going through, you belong, you deserve, you are deserving. And um, that's where I'm leaning at, but I, I don't know. I, I have no idea if that's going to stick. But that's where I'm at with it, is calling it that. What do you think? You tell me. <laughs> oh, goodness. You know, I, I am a creative and I'm a writer and I'm terrible at titles. So I'm not the person to ask that question. So um, I will say yours sounds great. <laughs> and um, however it does end up being titled, we'll make sure that everyone has your link so that they can keep up with that and all of Absolutely. the other things that you're doing. Um, I appreciate that. And, you know, you are doing a lot of things. You're a mom, you're an entrepreneur, you're an activist, you have a passion for service but I'm wondering what your self-care looks like you know we talk about wellness for the people that we work for but we have to you know point that finger back at ourselves as well so we can continue to do the work so what does that look like for you over the past few years I have become very intentional and dedicated to my self-care and I have no holds bar about it I'm unapologetic Uh, about it. And I've had to be that way so that I can be in this intentional space. So for me, it's very much like I'm finding my joy in what I enjoy. And so what that means, I love doing things like massages. I love doing things like taking care of, you know, my nails or my hair, but I, I enjoy doing that. It makes me feel good. And so anything that makes me feel good, that's healthier, that's positive for me is part of my joy, is part of my self-care uh, I go to the gym regularly now, um, any, uh, those type of things. I try to, to monitor the intake of, of what I'm eating in term, because food really does play an integral part uh, in our energy. Uh, so things of that nature, I go to therapy regularly. Um, what are some other things that I do? I take baths. I mean, I, it, you name it, I probably do it as a form of self-care. I make time for myself. I go on little like weekend trips to the hotel just to be with me and just to, you know, whether that's to write, whether that's just to watch TV, because I just want some time to myself in the new area in a new space. These are the type of things that I do um, regularly. Yeah, it sounds like you have quite the self-care arsenal. And I, <laughs> I love I love to hear people talk about how they care for themselves, but I love even more to hear moms talk about how they care for themselves because, you know, you mentioned earlier, people think that, you know, once you have a kid, you, you kind of disappear, but no, you continue to be a person and you have to take space for yourself as well. And so when you're able to you build, have to. yes, absolutely. And when you build supportive community, you can say, hey, I need you to watch my little angel so that <laughs> I can go and take care of myself. Right, right, right. 
Yeah. So we're kind of nearing the end of the interview and I have my, my curveball question that I asked folks and it's just fun to see how people respond. Okay. But um, is there a question that you wish people would ask you? Hmm. What would I wish someone would ask me? Um, what's it like being vulnerable? What's it like being transparent, you know, or maybe I'd love for people to ask themselves, you know, do they, do they possess the love or the grace that, that, you know, for others that they want to receive. But, you know, sometimes I think people, when you are an activist, when you are in this space, when you are sharing your story, I think oftentimes people just naturally, you know, they assume that there's this strength, right? Because it does require strength there's a lot of weakness. There's a lot of vulnerability in that. Uh, and I think sometimes people, you know, forget the humility and the humanity of, you know, people like myself, you know, who are advocates or who are sharing their experiences. And I, I you know, sometimes I probably would say maybe that's the, that's the question. And how would you answer that question? What's it been like for you to be so vulnerable about your story as a way to try and advocate for others? It's been tough. I've wanted to quit on a regular basis. I've, I've, I've questioned, you know, why, my why. I've had to keep the why in the forefront of my mind to even continue to do it, uh, to even show up, to create content. I mean, I so many times, you know, question like, am I, on, am I really living in purpose? Is this the right thing? Or, you know, what will people think of me when I share that I take an antidepressant? What will people think of me when I share that I had thoughts of harming my child? Like, what will, you know, what, are, these are all the things that go through my mind, you know, or when I, there is judgment, you know, how do I deal with the mean comments of, of, of stuff? Like, you know, I, I, I try to just be, conscious of the why and the impact that I know that it has on people in their lives and things that people have said that have helped them. Uh, and I try to let that be my motivating factor, but it definitely, it, it, it isn't, it isn't easy. Um, and so, but I, I try to be consistent in doing the work and be disciplined uh, that this is something that I know is making a difference. And if I can stick with that and, and, and honor that, I feel like it's, It'll help me continue to keep going. Yeah, and that, thank you for sharing that. And I think, you know, these are difficult conversations to have. And so often people just want to dismiss, you know, what are real feelings and real thoughts that are happening in our heads. And, and it's not to say that you are implying anything about your character. You're simply saying, this is where I am and mm -hmm. I need help with this because right. I know this is not where I want to be. And I feel like that's, that's the undercurrent of most stories of people who are dealing with mental health issues. And so often they just get accused or judged, or like you said, told to just get over it. Um, right. So the work that you do is very important and all of the mental health advocates out there that are doing this work, it's, it's, we'll say it's God's work since we brought mm -hmm. God into the space, but it's very, <laughs> it's very important work. So on that note, tell us what you are working on. What, what projects do you have going on right now? Right. So I have a few. Um, the, the documentary uh, that was mentioned, I'm working on that. And that'll be, I'm hoping within the next year, but things that are current and right now. So if you go to my website uh, at fearlessinfluence.com, and that's influence with the N, not the I, 
you'll see you can buy my ebook, which is uh, from Detour to Destination. I really go deep into my experiences and sharing my journey and how I've overcame obstacles and navigated through various fears. So, you know, you can get my ebook um, as well as there's a few other resources that I provide on my website. And then courses, I have my courses that'll be up within the next few weeks. And so uh, these courses will definitely be something that I think can, you know, really help people. So it'll be something for moms for a self-care toolkit, branding in terms of business, and also in terms of um, healing past trauma and dissolving negative thought patterns. These are a few of the courses that uh, will be, the title uh, is different, but just explaining what they'll be about. Uh, and so that's something that I'm working on that'll be available very soon. And, and you can check everything out on my website as well. Awesome. And we will have all of the important links uh, to find you on the interwebs and uh, the show notes. So make sure that everyone goes over there and checks that out. And I'm wondering if you have just any final words that you would like to share to our, uh, with our audience. I think if I was to say anything, some final words would just be, you know, hone in on, on your truth and be okay with living in that. Be okay with, you know, don't choose fear, choose love. Uh, and, and live in that. Give yourself grace so that it can allow you to give others grace and compassion uh, and, and just build upon that. Be conscious of that. And if there are any thoughts that you're having, you know, that, that are negative or that are hurtful or that are harming, just ask yourself, are they serving you? And do your best to reprogram and retrain those thoughts so that you can live in the, in the peace and the place that you want to be in. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And, and I'll just add, you know, there's support out there. There are people like you who are providing spaces where people can find support. Um, and we'll try and put some links in the show notes to other places where you can, you know, reach out, get the support you need. You don't have to do it by yourself because dealing with mental health issues, it's hard. <laughs> and it's great to be able to, to tap into resources, especially when you can tap into resources with people who look like you. So I just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing. And I hope that you continue to thrive in this very important space and um, that our audience will check you out. No, absolutely. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on. I want to thank Sasha Nicole for coming on to the pod today. I so appreciate her energy and her vulnerability to tell her story, um, her passion for advocating for Black women and their reproductive rights and their mental health um, awareness and support. Um, so you will find Sasha Nicole's links in the show notes please do check out what she is offering there. And also, as I said at the top of the, the episode, you'll find some other links as well to give you some more information about reproductive health, um, postpartum. Um, I don't have any mental health links there, but I do encourage you to just, you know, check out what's available to you. There are, you know, the ones that we're familiar with that are telehealth, such as Talkspace or BetterHelp, here not sponsoring this episode, but I have personally used Talkspace and I found the service very helpful. Um, but, and there's also support groups. So you may have support groups through your church. You may have community support groups. Uh, I think we're in an era where having awareness around our mental health and seeking support that will help us to continue to thrive um, and not just survive is going to be important. So 
please make sure you're taking care of yourself. And until next time, good people, be safe and be welcome.